You're listening to the Elephant in the Room property podcast, where the big things that never get talked about actually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent and co-host of Fox Hills Location, Location, Location Australia. And I'm Chris Bates, financial planner, mortgage broker and wealth coach. And together, we're going to uncover who's really making the decisions when you buy a property. Veronica will introduce our guest in a moment. And I can tell you that you want to listen on because this was a bit of a different conversation. We talked about livability, not so much at a suburb level, but a housing level. And what you can do to not only make your house more livable, but to actually reduce the running costs and improve its value. This isn't something you do depending on what your politics are. This is about creating your best home. And every measure, why would you want a home that's going to be expensive to run. It's not your best home. Please stick around for this week's Elephant Rider Bootcamp. And we have a cracking Dumbo of the Week coming up. Before we get started, everything we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances. Now let's get cracking. In this episode, we pick the brains of Cecile Weldon, a pioneer in the area of sustainability in real estate. Cecile is responsible for the creation and development of the Banksia award-winning livability real estate framework. Now owned and backed by the CSIRO, this new way of marketing property introduces 17 new property features into the real estate transaction. These are livability features which cover passive building design, energy and water efficiency and renewables and they are key to finding a home which is comfortable, efficient, healthy and connected to your community. This livability mandate, which is to create your best home, is deeply ingrained in all Cecile does. She even lived in a contemporary treehouse, I understand. We'll certainly be putting in the show notes some links to all of this stuff, but also Cecile's personal blog where she talks about that. So uh, if you're interested. Okay, Cecile is known as an innovative thinker with a proven track record in an ability to see opportunities in unexpected places. And she's come to the property industry from a very different background to most of the people we have interviewed in this podcast. Her expertise has been developed over 25 years in areas as diverse as strategic strategic and creative management, operational systems and processes, knowledge and management and education. Now, thank you for joining us, Cecile. We're fascinated to find out what inspired you to create mm. the livability features, um, but also why these matter for homeowners and how you see them translating into social and financial outcomes. Okay. Well, the first conversation um with myself, I suppose, was when I was working within the real estate industry. I later was on the executive leadership team of a major real estate brand. And I was known for having a look at sort of throwing a line out into the future and going, hey, what's coming down the line? Um, interestingly, when you're working in the real estate industry, you're thinking about everything, the renter, the owner, the investor, everybody's got a property, a home, whether they're renting or owning. So it impacts everyone, right? It's one of those most basic essential things yep. is your home. So um, I'm obviously passionate about that because how to create better homes was something that drew me into the real estate industry in the first place. And I sat there and I thought, gee, what's going to impact real estate? And real estate is traditionally fairly conservative. Um, a lot of times uh, the real estate industry thinks that innovation is only about a piece of technology. 
It's um, funny you're saying that because looking to the future, we've had so many people we've been talking to on the elephant here talking about how technology is going to impact mm. the way in which we interact with real estate and make decisions around real estate. But this is the first time someone's really come at it from thinking about the impact of how we live Right. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. Well, I mean, architects think like that all the time, right? Mm. But, you know, they're not really seen as a big part in the housing design, right? It hasn't really been a big part of our thinking really, has it? And I think what, what occurred to me and what was really clear to me was there was a huge missing link and that knowledge itself could be innovation and knowledge itself could be incredibly empowering for every homeowner or investor. And I started to say, what is the missing piece of information and what are people going to want to know? And I started to notice an interesting trend, and this is back in 2009, mm -hmm. um, certainly not like it is now with the narrative on rising energy bills and that is impacting all of our political conversation and everything. So back then there was very little conversation about that, but I started to notice a trend that potential buyers and renters were asking for power bills. And I thought, mm, that's interesting. Well, first of all, a power bill isn't reliable. It's only going to tell you how the last person lived in that house. <laughs> but what are they asking for? You know, they're asking for the running costs. And what are we delivering them? Nothing. Oh, no, What's the real estate industry? Council rates, water rates and strata levies, if yeah, right. you're lucky. <laughs> so what people were upsizing, they were extending their mortgages, they were going to really big commitments and there was absolutely no information on mm. what the running cost potential of that property was going to be and that was going to impact their available cash, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what I thought is, wow, this is huge. Um, but what I also realised is that there was a really big block of this information coming through and that's to do with language. And so one of the things you did was introduce me as sustainability and I don't identify as that. Ooh, okay. So Good. I'm going to give you a bit task. of a pushback there. Yeah, yeah. So what I found is the word sustainability gets in the way of the opportunity. Okay. Okay. Right. And so because a lot of these property features are known as opposed to children of sustainability, people weren't understanding what they were actually going to deliver to them in terms of comfort right. and in terms of reduced running cost. So what I did is completely flip the message and started to talk about the things that really impact everyday Australians, which is comfort. I mean, you want a house that can respond to different climate extremes, winter, summer. Yep. You just want a comfortable house, right? Because how many people are sitting in the lounge room and everyone's getting up and changing the thermostat? Or they're opening the door, or they're uncomfortable. A comfortable house is a house associated with people wanting to be there, right? But it's, it's also unconscious because, mm. you know, at the end of the day, then if it's comfortable, you don't even think about it. That's Whereas exactly if it's right. uncomfortable, you do. That's exactly right. And to get a bill that is, I mean, we all remember the time when you got an energy bill and you didn't even notice it. You mm. just paid it. Now you have to stop and go, well, I'll wait till the next bill, so I'll wait till my next pay cycle. Right, I need to think about this, what's going on here? And so I was seeing that very early, a trend very, very early, and I started to research that. And I started to look at the word running cost, and that really started to engage. And I started to understand, well, what are the features that will deliver that potential for running cost, reduction of running cost and increased comfort? And, of course, one of the big things that people forget to say is it depends on how you use the house. You know, you can have double glazed windows, which are great in winter, but if you leave them open all, all winter, they're going to do mm. nothing for you, right? Mm. So I realised that there's a huge piece of super exciting information. We can start to be delivering to homeowners 
you know, imagine a livability opportunity for Australian homes at a time when we need it the most, right? Mm. Understanding what these 17 features are. So how did you come up with these 17 features though? You started just to analyse how a property is used and what ways... There are all sorts of different ways. First of all, I had to look at what was the real estate moment because a real estate um, transaction is very short. So it's a highly emotional, highly sensitive, you know, highly, highly emotional, highly competitive and time sensitive. Right. So you can't have a huge conversation about all the scientific reasons why these do this or this. People are just going to, eyes are going to glaze over. So what you needed was something very simple, but very robust. It needed to be trusting, trusted. So a kind of stamp of approval to say that this property ticks these boxes yeah. and it's been checked. And it's, it's very simple. It's features based. So you know how property, that's the language of value, right? Three bedrooms, two bathrooms and a car park. Yeah. Um, you look at the property ad, that's the language of value in residential real estate. And then you go to the home and you're verifying it. You're going one bedroom, two bedroom, bloody hell, that's a sunroom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you're verifying it in terms of features. And so it had to be in features language, but it had to have something backing it up because you couldn't just have the whole real estate industry just talking a whole lot of kerfuffle about these things because you forgive the real estate industry if they say it's three bedrooms and it's really two bedrooms and there's sunroom. Yeah. But you don't forgive them if they say it's an energy efficient hot water system and it isn't. You know, so there's an, it's I a different level. I them for the sunroom. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay. Well, it's in our, put it this way, it's sort of an, a generalised acceptance. You know what I mean? I don't think, so what was needed and what the opportunity for the real estate industry was, was to provide better information. Yep. How great is that, right? To be more relevant, um, to be more trusted. Because currently you can say, yeah, it's got insulation tick, but no one's checked. Oh, I know. It's, it's rather infuriating, actually. So what's the take-up like? Because I would imagine there's a lot of agents that wouldn't give a rat's. I mean, if buyers aren't demanding it, then the agent's not going to bother. Why would they bother? Well, actually, it's a, a lot of agents. And again, there's always 10% of the industry that are understanding that, you can't be a property expert if you're not getting better property knowledge. And these days, more than ever, in fact, there was a huge piece about it yesterday, um, you know, lifelong learning is about what we all need. Um, we need to be continuously upskilling our understanding. So most real estate agents will invest in their own training. Mm. The thing is, it's often the same thing over and over again, okay? Whereas what this is using, this is using new knowledge to innovate and meaningfully disturb the industry. I mean, a lot of people have all sorts of emotions towards real estate, the real estate industry and want to disrupt it. But we have to remember that the real estate industry oversees a hell of a lot of Australia's, you know, um, you don't want to disrupt that industry because it impacts every single person, right? So you want to go very carefully. It's not like a taxi industry thing. I mean, so much of Australia's wealth is rested Mm. in that. So if you can disturb the industry, so they introduce these new features that are meaningful and relevant and empowering. And also the people that have been investing in these things, like every time the hot water system broke, they got a more efficient one. Okay. They get rewarded suddenly because they're showcased. These houses are brought forward because these are missing. And the numbers are there right nowadays to show that, you know, you can buy the solar panels for X and it's going to give you this Y kind of benefit and the numbers all stack up. And it's really just whether you can afford the solar panels and you can get some cheap finance for that now. So, you know, I guess that, you know, sustainability is, 
you know, as a conversation is probably playing into this a lot as well. Are people becoming much more conscious? You believe think- with their home as a impact on the climate or do you think that they just want to see that their energy bill goes down? Look, we just keep it very simple, okay, because we want it to be a conversation that everyone can connect with. And so, unfortunately, everyone understands solar and even rainwater tanks. They're the poster children, as I said, of these. But you know what? There's so many things that uh, that's why we there are 17. Actually, the two most important features that are the most cost effective and will give you a really big bang for your buck is insulation and external shading. Mm. So actually insulation in the ceiling and external shading for your windows so that the sun never hits your windows in mm. summer. Those are not very expensive to do and will give you a really great impact on that that potential for running cost reduction. So sometimes one of the benefits of livability features is, yes, solar PV is there, but we give a wider list so that if you're wanting to do a simple upgrade, you can do it. If you just want to... Um, You know, if you have $5,000, you can do insulation, maybe shading on the north and the eastern side. It gives you really specific things you can do. And, you know, every time I do that, I'm going to get the benefit while I'm in the home, but I'm going to be rewarded when I sell this property because it's going to be identified. So that means that there's that extra reason to do it because we all know that every homeowner is an investor. Yeah. So, okay, this is, uh, you know, I'll put it right out there. I'm 110% in favour right? I think that we all have opportunity to make our homes more comfortable to live in, that actually reduces our, you know, energy costs, but also is better for the planet. So, you know, you know, in in terms of our our own personal footprint, um, it's smart to think about future capital growth and doing these sorts of things for your property to be as an investment and think of your property as an investment and, and these things as an investment. But I also know what people are like and I also know that as a society we're not great on delayed gratification and we're not also great on, you know, we are very much in this now, now, now culture. So I've looked at your website, right? I've, I've, I've met you a couple of times at, at REI yep. or I met another yep. guy that works there, you know, one of the REI things. I'm on board with it. I've often I've sat there and I haven't actually implemented this in my team, even though we discuss all these sorts of things and they actually are not exactly in that form, but they're a part of the characteristics we evaluate every property on. The thing is, uh, at what point, at what critical point will buyers, and let's get to tenants in a minute, but will buyers start to pay more for this? Because at the moment I'm telling you, I don't see any of that. I don't okay, see well, any it, awareness of that. And that's fine, but... The actual, um, in fact, we can give to your audience some vendor testimonials of people that had an agent. So first of all, don't underestimate the power of the award-winning training. So once that agent, agents want to do a good job for you, let's just assume that. They want to know more about property. They want to get a higher price for you. When they get a higher price, you got a higher price, right? So they want to get a higher price in the marketplace. And so when agents have done the training and they go, now I get it, these are all these features that I was missing. This is hidden value. Yeah. Let's say it's hidden value, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah. if you're going to push forward granite bench tops, just because, mm. okay, well, why not push forward features that even if you're paying more for that house, you know your running costs are covered, yeah. rather than paying more for a house and not knowing, going mm. in blind. Yeah. And I, t- I will tell you an example of um, recently on a 7.30 report, there was a tenant that said, I couldn't get the energy bills down, so I had to leave the property. 
Okay, so I can tell you right now, and all of the research that we've been doing, because now we're owned by the CSIRO, um, absolutely, after a while, those properties are going to be not, they're going, they're going to have a high vacancy rate, mm. okay, because people can't afford, you know, if you imagine from a property investor's point of view, there's a tenant, they've paid $250 a week rent, and then they get a bill for $1,500, well, how much disposable income do they now have to keep paying their rent? And what are they going to keep paying when it's freezing? Okay, they're going to stop paying their rent and they're going to keep paying their hot water bills. So, you know, I think you would be very foolish as a property investor or an owner not to start upgrading yeah. over time. You don't need to do it all at once, mm. but just start going, you know what, this is the direction because I can keep my rental value. I will have longer tenancies because once... You know, if you get a big bill after three months, you're not going to stay another 12, right? I agree. I mean, I think there's lots of parts to this. I mean, fundamentally, if you're trying to sell the property and you've got an agent that actually has trained up on this, yep. right? So yep. if you haven't got a tra- an agent that knows how to identify these or have the language or yep. to be able to sell these benefits to the people buying. But, you know, when someone is looking at that property, if they are socially minded or they do want to have a low energy bill, you know, they may not be able to do these uh, kind of, rep- you know, no, they might not be able to, you know, add these features in or have the money left over from their deposit to go and spend, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars to do all these upgrades once they purchase the property. So, you know, they be- might be able to borrow that money from the bank, but they might not be able to do, you know, the the actual, I guess, upgrades themselves. So, what would be the actual, you know, for most properties, and you know, it must be hard, but what would be the cost to kind of become, you know. Fully licensed, I guess, or fully, you know, ticking all the 17 boxes. Well, first of all, you don't need to do all of them. Mm. It's not a um, a rating where you need all 17. Mm -hmm. Even one of those, that real estate agent can put forward. And every house that we've appraised, and this is for existing homes, not for new homes, Mm -hmm. right? This is for the old big mess of existing homes all over Australia in every climate zone. Um, Every house has about three. Okay, because what's happened is people have been upgrading over time without thinking about them. Mm. They just don't see them as a feature that can be brought forward when they sell a house. They Mm. just see it as something that's going on behind them. Do you know what I mean? So um, I I think for around $20,000, you could get all 17. I actually think that for $3,000, you could have a big impact. So you could get ceiling insulation, LED lighting, shading over your north and your eastern side. It could be adjustable shading. Uh, Look, I I can't... You mean western side? The north and the east-west. Both those two sides. Oh, right, right, sorry, yeah. The north side and the east-west side. So I, I can't stress enough. There's three sort of paradoxes that lie underneath this, that something very simple yep. can be very robust. So you get the 80-20 rule, basically. So if you do your top three or four, that will get you 80% of the results, sort of. Well, not even that. It's, it's you know what's great about this? It's not making a value judgment mm-hmm. and it's not making a moral judgment saying you're bad if you don't do this. <laughs> it's just saying, here's your shopping list, <laughs> add them whenever you want, whatever mm. you want. If you're doing, you know, um, if you're doing an upstairs, we'll put insulation. A lot of these things are already covered in building compliance if you're yeah. doing a big renovation. So I was going to ask and you about what, that because that's basics, right? Yep. So what's the alignment with that? Well, number 17 is a basic certificate. It's an energy rating. So what we're trying to do is get homeowners to actually ask for that basic certificate. And we want them to say we want to go beyond compliance. Mm-hmm. Because beyond compliance, that house will always retain its value when they're selling it later, you know, rather than just meeting compliance. So we want to have Mm. a completely different story there. So I think what is 
important to understand is that First of all, it's not a value judgment. Do what you can, but at least you know that these will deliver. Because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of myths around this area, and sometimes it's caught up in that word sustainability, mm. and it's not super clear to everyone. So we just call them the seventeen things. It's super easy, right? Yeah. And it's about r- reduced running cost and increased comfort. I think what is important about for your listeners is to understand that just have a look how many you've already got. The agent that does the property appraisal, the trained agent, has a special prop tech, which is um, on their mobile phone, a checklist which has benchmarks underneath it. And these have been verified by the industry peak bodies as well as the CSIRO. And when that appraisal is completed, it automatically generates an image for the property listing. So on the online property listing in the photo gallery, they can see how many livability features are in that house, right? What about, okay, so that's if someone's about to sell their house. Yeah. Um, Where else can they get uh, a... a livability appraisal. Thank you very much. And any <laughs> any livability real estate specialist can do one for free at any time. It's right. not just when you're selling. A lot of agents get um, lots of calls every day saying, I just want to know my, how much my house is worth in today's market. I'm not ready to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if you were planning on renovating or planning on selling in two to three years, I'd get a livability appraisal from one of these livability real estate specialists. You'll see the icon on their um, on their profile and you can go to our website and book an appraisal. Just go in and say, I'd like to book one and we can find an agent that's close to you. And so, how many agents have got this out of... Well, it... Um, it Launched again in uh, last year in February, and there are 220 all yep. over Australia that have begun to do it. And our training kicks off again in the next month. And the agents get 12 CBD points when they do it in yep. New South Wales. So there's no reason not to. I guess the way I look at it is two sides of the coin. You've got people who live in the property; they're the homeowners, and there's a real benefit of thinking about your home as really an investment for two reasons. One, you never know when you're going to have to sell it. Because if you ever, you might have to sell your home when you don't want to, whether it's work, relationship, you know, transfer or something like that. And so you should be th- investing in maintenance, upkeep, et cetera, like that. And so thinking about these sort of things, it would help you with a sale. And so even if you don't have to sell it, you should always be thinking about that, that mindset. Secondly, I guess there's always the power bills, right? So if you can reduce your running costs on a property. And you your know, water bills and your water bills, because it's. And your water bills and, and you think about it like that, well, Fine then, costs. you know, those things <laughs> add up over time. And if, you know, you can do one outlay now, you know, you get all these benefits. So, you know, it makes sense. Where does it really make sense for investors, though? Because, you know, for them, it's it's the running costs are going to be, a lot of them is going to be covered by the tenant. So, But this is where, I guess, you need to change the conversation and say, how much disposable income does that renter have? And how much are they wasting on a power bill that they could be using for my rent? Mm. Because what an investor doesn't want is a um, rent default, um, vacancy, okay, or to have to reduce their rent, okay? So what this does is it keeps a property top of mind. It transparently shows all the benefits, so it enables it to be marketed to maintain its rental value, if not have a bit more. Okay, it's more likely that that tenant will be a longer tenant because they're not going to get a power bill and go see you later, Mm -hmm. chip potato. Um, There's another thing where if your renter comes to you and says, you know what, I'm getting a huge power bill. I'll give you an example. If you have a really old hot water system in Sydney, you know, a lot of money goes to hot water. Um, 
I could upgrade that and with the same amount of energy usage, the bill would be reduced to $198. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is that's more disposable income. So it's in, you know, this idea of the landlord not caring because it doesn't impact them, I think is an old fashioned idea. I agree. And I think so if you're an investor, you should be thinking, you know, how do I market this property? And so when a renter's in that property, you know, the last thing, if they, you know, they might be thinking about staying or leaving and, you know, that's why it's so important to keep your property, you know, your upkeep and keep You've on top of You've got to capitalise on every property, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I, you know, depending on the tax deductibility of some of this as well, you know, repairs and, you know, you might be able to, might all be tax deductible. So it makes a lot more even sense for investors because, you know, if you do get a keeper tenant, you can potentially put your rent up because they know that they're, you know, they're paying less on their bills so you can get a higher market rent. So I guess it's just flipping that on. A lot of investors will think, well, I don't really want to spend money on the property in my investment, but they, there's probably just a mindset shift that they need to And it's have. not a lot, right? But just ceiling insulation is going to add so much more comfort to that mm. rental property. It's going to make a huge difference. I mean, a lot of real estate agents, there are properties that they're so hot they have to arrive an hour before you know, the open home or they're freezing <laughs> cold. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, you know, this is a big deal. And if you just think about how much this is such a dominant part of our national conversation, we're trying to get energy retailers to reduce their costs when all the time we could all be empowered and doing our own stuff. Okay. I mean, the mortgage industry knows that it's not just the cost of the first home that's a barrier for a first home buyer, it's the cost of living. Right. So, so every generation, you know, millennials and, and uh, Gen Xs are super excited about this because they just get it, right? I want more disposable income. And could we, could we talk through these 17 things because, you know, and just slowly go through them because I think that's each, each one of them is actually a conversation for people to think about. So the first one is to understand what's the climate zone sort of pattern in the city that you're in because a lot of people don't even realise. So Sydney is a mixed climate which means that your heating and your cooling needs are similar. So your summer and your heating bills will be fairly similar, whereas somewhere like the ACT is a heating climate, so the winter bill is going to be more. So it's important to know before you even look at a house, what do I, what, you know, how does this house need to respond to the climate that it's in? Yeah, it's like now, when, you're, when you're in Melbourne, you actually need central yeah, heating and yeah, no right? one even thinks about it in Sydney. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's getting that understanding for people from the get-go. Yep. It's a new idea of location, location, right? It's giving more information. Does right. that even happen within the city, right? You know, like if you're on the beachside suburbs. It's still, a- generally speaking, mm. the pattern for Sydney. And remember, we're giving very big, chunky climate zones. Yeah. You can go right down to a suburb-level climate zone. That's what okay? I mean, yeah. But in terms of livability, because this is simple, we've only got a few moments, um, we talk about the general trend of a city. Yeah. Mm. But you can go in and have a look on livability at the deeper-level climate zone maps. You know yeah, what I mean? Cool. But it's important to understand this is what our city does. Yeah, this, is, yeah. this is our city. Yeah. And the next thing is this idea of living locally. So everyone, you know, some people are actually wanting to buy a property because it's close to a vibrant community experience and not about the house at all. Yep. Do you yep. see what I mean? And yep. so this is really acknowledging that this is a new trend in real estate that has been going on for a little while, but it's actually much bigger than most people think. Okay, so this is about, you know, um, 
It's about understanding the community gardens. If you've got an apartment, knowing where they are. It's about understanding where local produce markets are. It's about saying if you're close to any of those, okay, that's a great livability feature because you're within walking distance, which is great, but also you've got that experience of being near a vibrant community. I mean, it's amazing when you're living in these areas and you do know about them Mm. and, you know, you're going down to the markets on a Saturday or Sunday and, you know, buyers do care about that. You know, that could be a huge part of their decision on buying the property is knowing that on a Saturday morning they can go and get their flowers and their fresh fruit um, and it's only a 200-metre walk. And But I don't think that's really what agents have been saying in the past. Well, they don't. Yes, they do. Come but on. normally they don't have the... The livability real estate specialist has a much deeper knowledge about these things. So one of the problems you've got is if you're out of state or if you don't know a suburb, you may not know where all these things are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? And sometimes agents... You know, these, what we ask of our agents is a deeper level of community research um, so that they really are extremely expert in the street name, how often, you know, it's a deeper gotcha. level. Yeah. So, yes, this has been gone on, and, you know, this is a conversation in real estate out there, but what this is doing is quantifying it. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And so you get an icon for that to say right. you're close with it, this. Yeah. And so the next one you start, that's more around layout, those two. Um, the next is really the floor plan Um, sorry, location. The next is really the floor plan and layout. And so this is where we're looking at really good building design. Mm. Okay. So a lot of age, everyone knows that north facing is good, but a lot of people don't know which face should be north facing. I know. It's one of the bugbears. You see an ad with the house faces north. It's actually the front of the house faces north. And that doesn't help. Every face (laughs) is going to face north. There's going to be. So what we're looking for is north facing living rooms. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Because these are the rooms that you're wanting to heat and cool the most. Mm. So if you've got a north facing living room, that's great. Yeah. And remember, if you don't, it's okay. This is not a a hierarchy. It's just a, a tick you're going to get 100 out of 100. Yeah. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not It's not a rating. Yeah. Okay. It's just simply saying that's a feature that's there that that agent can market. Mm. There's also, so, it, it, when you talk about good design, like just as, a, as an aside, if you are looking at a site and you're, you're going to be renovating, these, these things obviously are very important to super consider. Important. And, you know, you see really good design with architects that have pop-up windows for to capture northern light in, yeah. in, in rooms that don't face north. Like, yeah. So, you know, when you go, and I'm sure that's factored in. Well, I think what's way, important is what we've done is created, if you imagine we've created like a national standard of the features that we'll deliver. Mm. Okay. Now that is a baseline. Okay. And so there are all sorts of ways a good building designer can adapt if you don't have north facing uh, living rooms. Mm. But what we need to do is get what, what is a feature that will deliver if I'm mm-hmm. a renovator yeah. and not because sometimes they're lost in echo features and everyone can come up with their own list. You need something that's verifiable yep. and I can trust to invest in. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other thing is cross ventilation. So we all, um, a lot of times we, we think it catches breezes, but actually Cross ventilation does something much more powerful, and that's a through a breeze way that goes from one side of the house to the other. It actually sucks the air through the building, mm. even when there is no wind, yep. because of the pressure on the building. So cross ventilation is pretty amazing. Mm. So if you think orientation of your living rooms with the right shading can be free heating, yep. and cross ventilation is free cooling. Mm. Okay, especially because in Sydney, in the evening, the temperature drops, right? So that's a great start. And especially if you're wanting a healthy home to know that you can get some natural 
you know, yeah. um, heating and cooling is fantastic. And so how would they do that? Just some simple modifications? What well, you know, of- what's interesting is sometimes just look can the air flow from one side in a clear pathway? I mean, breezes don't take a right or left-hand mm-hmm. bend, you know, and they, there may be a fixed window yep. on the other side. Okay, just make it an opening window. Mm. Do you here's see what a, I mean? Here's a good one. I've got one for you. So your front door, right, if you had that open and your back door, you'd have cross-ventilation. That's exactly right. However, most people don't want to have their front door open. But you can so, have a secure fly screen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was about to say, put a grill on there and lock it and have the front door open. We do that. But this is where a lot of apartments have a problem because if they're built in the corner of the building or some of them only got one face with yeah. windows. Yeah. You know, there's nothing So there are happening. some little tricks that you can do um, mm. outside of the, the sort of checklist. If you've got an older home with um, double-hung windows, if you have and um, it's an apartment, um, you can put those little secure uh, screws. If you have a little gap at the bottom and a little gap at the top, it will create a thermal current, really? which will suck the hot air out and the cool air in and Love vice it. versa. Mm. So great. the beauty about livability is it's not just telling you the features, but it's telling you stuff about how to use your house because yeah. we need to understand, right? Exactly. And who trains you on how to... No one, right? Yeah, to actually mm. best get the use of your house and to... And we feel disempowered because we feel like if the energy companies are choosing this much, you know, what do we do? But there's so much we can learn to love about our own homes Mm. and, and help our homes work for us. Not a static thing. Yeah, we've got a behavioural bias that we, if we actually invest into something or we go through work, and that might be, you know, just fixing something, um, we actually start to value it a lot more. So, you know, you're paying this big mortgage, you've got this one point, you know, $5 million house or whatever it is, right? Yeah, you need to value it. And the way to value it more is actually just investing a little bit into it in your time and effort. And so, you know, you actually get this huge, huge, like, you know, mental reward by just actually thinking about these things and actually getting results. And, and interestingly, the agents that have done the training, halfway through the training, they start asking questions. And this happened in every single training, right? Yep. And I said, is this about a property that you've got a listing? And they said, no, it's about our own homes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've got it. It really changes you mm. because yep. what we need to do is think about our homes as being responsive to different climate, not a static thing. Yeah. We need to change our minds. We need to understand what it needs to do in summer and what it needs to do in winter. And that means that when we've got climate extremes, mm. we know how to make that work, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So if we just keep moving through the list, zoning is something very simple. It just means that the rooms can be closed off in order to heat and cool them separately. Which is funny because we've got this big trend towards open plan living, yeah. which has been, you know, it's been around for about the last 20 odd years. So. And that's when energy prices were super mm. cheap. Um, they took all the walls out, took the mm. eaves off, put big sliding aluminium glass Mm. Uh, doors, but they're very expensive to run and they're very uncomfortable. So remember, we're not saying they need to be closed all the time. It can still be open plan. But in the dead of winter, we just want a sliding door that can go across it so you can actually zone that area and all the hot air isn't going upstairs to the upstairs rooms. Do you see what I mean? this is like cutting out the gaps, I guess, assuming at the bottom of the doors... Um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot can be done with draft sealing, very yep. simply, and window sealing, all mm. of those sort of things. But these are the bigger things where hot air rises. Mm. I don't know if you've been to places and you go upstairs and it's hot as Hades in yeah. summer. Yeah. Um, it's because there was no zoning downstairs. So, you know, it's just a really inefficient use. Nobody's yep. comfortable in that house. So you're saying if you actually zone a house, 
that will stop the hot air rising? Well, what will happen is if you imagine um, in the dead of winter, you've got a big family room downstairs and mm. you've got an upstairs and you don't have, you've got an open area from the family room that's uh, going upstairs. Yep. Everyone in the family room, because that's where everyone's the most, right? They're all sitting there. Um, you're heating that room, trying to get warm mm. and the all of that warm air is going upstairs. Yep. So it's going um, nice the people to to upstairs, the kids upstairs <laughs> are doing their homework and it's getting hot as anything. And what are they doing? They're open a window. Mm. Okay. And so it creates a thermal current where it's actually sucking the cold air through the house and out. Nobody in that house is comfortable. Yeah. Mm. And can I tell you how big their power bill is going to be? Yeah, no, I'm exactly. curious though. Just, just so just by putting a sliding door, yep. uh, you don't need to see it. It can still look open plan. Yep. Australians love, we love an open plan, right? Mm. You don't want to change lifestyle. These are about getting benefits without sacrificing yep. lifestyle. Really mm. important. You can just have a sliding door and when it's really cold, have that. And then upstairs is heated separately. Yep. Do you see what I mean? So. Yeah, of course. No, so I was thinking in summer. Um, the reverse. Yeah, the so reverse well, is there's true. hot rooms upstairs, so many houses. You go upstairs yep. and you melt, you know. Yeah, that's Probably because right. I haven't had on And they can have a split and... system up there that's mm. just doing yeah, yeah. that, but you're not, you know. You're... Yeah, you're not trying to, power, you know, cool the whole house down with one little split system, you yeah. know. Just cool one down bedroom that you're in and then when you go to the other room, cool that bedroom down. And, and a than... lot of times, look, we need to remember that, before we had mechanical conditioning, air conditioning, mm. um, this is just what we needed to do. Our mm. homes were naturally designed with zoning, right? Yeah. And so if you've got a rental property and the doors are in the garage because you took them off, bring them back because yeah. and put them back on yeah. because some of these made sense. Mm. Do you see what I mean? To do yeah. some of these things. Mm. So and we have talked about insulation, which, you know, you've, you know, obviously that's... Ceiling a- insulation is the minimum. So I wouldn't even think of not putting, I mean, insulation is like a a barrier. What it does is it, the little, it's not, you, 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 it needs to be kept, um, when you push down insulation, it stops being effective. It's the trapped air Mm -hmm. that works because it takes a long time for each, uh, for the temperature to conquer that next piece of trapped air Mm -hmm. and move through it. So what you want, if you've got ceiling insulation, then that means you're heating and cooling, you're going to get much more from it. It's not disappearing mm-hmm. through the roof, mm. right? Yeah, okay. So yep. that's basic. But if you have an opportunity to have wall mm. insulation and underfloor insulation, if you're doing, the, the thing is that you can't do those later once yep. the wall's done. It's yeah. You can, but it's a little trickier. Um, I would definitely do those as well. So insulation is the gift that keeps giving because it lasts for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Certainly, like if you're having a weatherboard house or something like that, then mm. I highly, highly encourage you to insulate walls. It's funny, actually, I... Um, did a renovation a number of years ago and I insisted on wall insulation and a lot of that's yep. basics anyway, certainly in the ceiling. But I had tin roof and it when it rained, oh, my God, because I'd never lived under a tin roof before. Yeah, loud. Oh, my God, it was loud. And no one had ever mentioned you can get acoustic insulation as well. Yeah. So I'm about to do another renovation. I'll be getting another colour bond roof and this time I'm getting not only heating insulation but sound insulation so that I don't get woken up in the middle of the night if there's a storm. Um, But that's, once again, you talk about the fact that there's not a lot of education around this. And also really important, I want to tell all of your listeners, if you're getting insulation, absolutely keep the receipt. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that is your warranty. As I say, it can be warranted up to 25 years. Uh, yeah. But also livability real estate specialist will need that independent proof. If you've put the insulation in yourself, 
you also need to have independent proof it's been installed oh, yeah, correctly. If you can't get into the wall for argument's sake. You want That's to know exactly right. So there, when yeah. you're getting a renovation, say, I would like the certificate mm. um, to prove, you know, the warranty yeah. and the receipt to prove that is in there. This is very important. And also just remember that... Um, if you've installed it yourself, it's worth getting a building inspector doing an insulation only check. And we have a little checklist that you can download on livability that they can just give that. So it won't be a whole building inspection. It's just that tiny insulation mm -hmm. one. Because of everything that's going on with insulation, it just means to a homeowner, potential buyer, if you've got proof of that and it's been verified by that appraisal, then they know, wow, this has really got it. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one is like density of building materials. Yeah, now this is interesting. Um if you may have heard this idea of passive building design, so a lot of mm. architects use this, where it's actually the way the house is designed that delivers a lot. You don't need to turn anything on yet, mm -hmm. okay? And so the density of building materials is referring to something called thermal mass, which is really just building materials that are really dense, mm -hmm. like concrete. Yeah. And if they're appropriately located, okay, so that they um, can get access to the sun in summer but not in winter, mm -hmm. then that's like that, that dense material stores that heat and re-releases it when it, the room becomes cooler. You mean... If you imagine... You want it to store it in, in winter? In, in winter, if, it, yeah. if the sun hits it in winter, yeah. it stores that mm. heat. Yeah. And then when the temperature drops at night, it releases the mm -hmm. heat yep. into the room. So normally it's an architect-designed home. Mm -hmm. It won't be happened by accident. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And all these other factors need to be there as well, okay? But it's worth saying to your architect, if you're having a big design, can you design with the principles of, you know, passive design and is there any opportunity for putting some thermal mass in there? So if you're doing a renovation though, a big extension on the back of the house though, this would be something that you could do in terms of your slab or concrete or... You just need to make sure that it's well, that you've got the external shading yep. so that it's not heating it up in summer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is where um, you'll find on livability how all of them come together. Mm. Do you know what I mean? How yep. important external Use it in shading the winter is. And then in summer you protect it. Sort if of. If you've got the right shading, and we've got a magic formula on livability for the right shading when we come to that one, which is soon, um, the right shading will let the winter sun go into the room, mm -hmm. but it will keep the summer sun, yeah, summer sun out. Because, you know, if you've ever paid attention to this, the winter sun, the sun is lower in winter. That's right. So basically in summer it sort of hits, it's your, high. hits your awning and it bounces off and in winter it drops and it comes underneath yeah. your awning. So that's obviously... And we've got a fantastic animation that explains that and gives a magic formula. If you've got floor-to-ceiling doors, mm. <clears throat> um, you need glass... Um, windows, you need a much longer, uh, you know, wider awning. Mm -hmm. If you've just got an E, you know, if you've just got normal windows, just an Eve will do. Mm -hmm. It's pretty you amazing. You could always wind back though as well, couldn't you? You can have adjustable shading yeah. um, or you can have fixed shading. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's so exciting about shading, I, I think it's amazing, is <laughs> it just really makes a difference to comfort mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. if the sun hits that window in uh, summer, it's, it, you know, they change from short waves to long waves. It's trapped inside mm -hmm. and keeps heating and heating and heating. It can't go back out the window, mm. right? So right. what you want is no sun to hit those windows. It's like yep. a magnifying glass. It's, it's like the, it, they, call it, they call it the greenhouse <laughs> effect. Do you know what I mean? Because that's, you know, that's like when you're in a car, when you leave your car locked up, yep. why it's just so much hotter. 
But in winter, you might want the sun to hit those windows, right? So you might not. That's you why might, you have the right shading. Yeah, you might wind the shading back. So, you know, and that's why some people might not get shading is they go, well, I actually want it in the winter. But, but they don't think through, well, actually, they could just get adjustable. Or they could get just the right size. It doesn't actually mm. need to be adjustable. It doesn't need right to be adjustable if it's yeah, the yeah. right. That's why we give the yeah. magic formula depending on the size of your windows. Yeah. yeah. And the, and the orientation. I remember the first time, you know, I worked out that, that walls stored heat because I was walking past this west-facing brick wall, you know, on a, uh, early evening on a summer's night one day and I could feel the yeah, heat the coming out heat. of the wall. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and I sort of, when I first started, got into real estate and it started occurring, all this stuff started occurring to me and I was like, oh, my God, all, all day long or all afternoon long, that's basically been just absorb, absorb, absorb and you could it. it was almost mm. like it was a furnace blowing on me. So the next one is windows and glazing, and this is super interesting to me. Um, so the Australian Windows Association um, a few years ago started to develop energy efficient windows, and there is a certificate that goes with these windows. It's called a WERS certificate. Mm-hmm. And you really need that certificate because do you know what? You cannot tell the difference between that and, an, and another window mm-hmm. when you look at it visually. But these windows are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So because so much heat is lost and gained, depending on the season, through your windows, um, these windows are 30% better for winter, 30% better for summer. Mm-hmm. It just means, again, you're getting more from your mechanical heating and cooling. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you're getting windows, absolutely get WERS rated Mm -hmm. windows because people talk a lot of language, oh, it's e-glass, it's e-this, but some of that isn't verified, Mm -hmm. okay? So it's a WERS certificate. They can be a little bit more expensive. Yeah. Um, A lot of them are a requirement under um, basics, Mm -hmm. but what we want you to do is get the WERS certificate. So ask the installer because, again, that's proof. Okay, and some of them, if you've really invested in them because you have that western side or whatever it Mm. is, um, then you want to be rewarded when you sell your house, right? You want to be able to get that uplift back. So windows are an amazing opportunity to increase the comfort of your home and reduce your running costs. Mm -hmm. And the next thing is that shading and sun control, which I've been talking about. I just want to stress it's external shading. So if you've got shutters inside your window, it may, you may, physiologically think it's making a difference and it may Mm. psychologically make a difference, but it's not really going to make that difference until you've got external shading because you want the sun not to hit the glass in the first place. So then you come down to the energy and water saving inclusions and we've got efficient heating and cooling devices. This is the only thing, um, an area which it can be sometimes people can get their back up because we don't recognise ducted air conditioning. So what we're looking for... You say you don't recognise it. The livability. Yeah, yeah. It's not um, in the benchmark mm. because it's inherently inefficient. Even if there is a rating there, it's not a national rating scheme. Yeah. So what you need to do, what we ask people to do is, is really... Is that because you can't do the... Uh, the zoning? It's it's not, no, because some ducted air conditioning does have zoning. Yep. It's because it's inherently inefficient because you're having to generate so much to move through the house even if it gets to that zone and it's zoned off. Right. You've already gen- But also you can't see in the installation whether it's been done well, you can't check for faults, you know, it mm. may be, you know, it's, mm. it's largely uh, hidden. Now, it may be in the future that, uh, that there's a national standard, uh, you know, rating system that we can say if you've got this rating. Um, When that happens, the beauty about the livability benchmarks is they're updated every 18 months. But 
absolutely split systems are incredibly efficient. They measure efficiency based on energy in and energy out, and some of those are four times. You're getting four times the amount of energy out as energy in. Um, so there's a whole list of what are different. I mean, it might be ceiling fans. Mm-hmm. They're also really important for cooling. Yep. Um, so this is just bringing awareness. If you're going to put a new fan in anyway, why not make sure it's energy efficient? You know, if you yeah. are going to upgrade the hot water system, why yeah. not just be a bit smarter there and, and you know, you pay a little bit more but get X That's benefit. That's exactly right. Yeah. And look, um, and little tip with the ceiling fans is um, ceiling fans work better when they're closest to you. And mm. a lot of people put ceiling fans in the... close. Well, yes. Um, a lot of people put <laughs> ceiling fans in the middle of the room, but the dining table might be on the left and the lounge might be on the right. Mm. Okay, you're not going to get the benefit of that ceiling fan. So make each. sure you place the ceiling fans over where the people are mm. because the ceiling fan cools the people, not the house. I know, this is what makes me laugh. These people think, oh, you've got to have the fans on all the time to keep the air moving through. But I said it's actually it's what yeah. it does to Increases the air. Increases evaporation yeah, on your skin. Yeah, touching your skin, that's actually what makes you feel cool. Yeah, so mm. don't leave them on when you leave the house. It's no. not going to cool the house down. But interestingly, (laughs) even a small amount of air movement can reduce your feeling of the temperature up to four degrees. Mm. So, and that's the ceiling fans are not an expensive thing, right? Yeah. This is what we mean. And it saves you putting on the air conditioner, right? Because you then go, I feel fine. That's fine. I've got the ceiling. And look, I personally have a ceiling fan and good cross ventilation. I don't need an air conditioner. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's sort of interesting. Certainly at night too. And I think that's the thing. Above a bed is... Oh, they're fantastic. fantastic. Sleeping with an air conditioner on is horrible. I hate hotel rooms for that reason, yeah. you know. Then you've got energy-efficient lighting, and that's LED lighting throughout. There's no excuse not to have that these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are lots of rebates and things available for people, but also LED lighting is just so... The big thing about LED lighting is they're cool. So halogen bulbs emit heat as well. Mm. So that means you're increasing the heat in your room in summer. So um, when I recently <laughs> bought an apartment, the first thing I did was replace all of the halogen bulbs so you can do for that. LED. You LED. rip them out and put LED yeah. in. So There's that- not any situ- lighting situation now where there isn't an LED equivalent. Right. Cool. Yeah, so it's very exciting. And, and you could do that. Too. What a great thing. If you, you know, that's another livability feature that you can add, very yeah. simply. That's right? pretty cheap. Yeah. But, but they last longer too, right? Yeah, LED. they yeah. last longer, they're cheaper to run and they're cooler. Oh, okay. People so forget about it being cooler. No, it really is. Like a lot of these things are like, duh, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, then you've got an efficient hot water system. And as I said, in Sydney, a lot of your energy bill is your hot water, right? So um, it really, and there are all sorts of um, very efficient hot water systems on the market and they come with a rating, okay? A national disclosed rating scheme that's very simple for everybody to understand. So definitely as high as you can go, you know, well, you don't have to be as high as you can go, but at least get a decent one, mm-hmm. you know, so it'll last. L- it's also where it's located in the house, though, isn't it? I mean, you can have a hot water system that's located in one corner and your kitchen and bathrooms and everything are located it in the It depends o- on the system. Corner. It depends on the system. So, you know, there's solar, there's heat pump, there's all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you, um, when you're talking to the dealers about that, you just ask and, you know, when they're coming to the quote, they'll talk to you about that. So then you've got the poster child, solar PV. So we all know that it's, um, you know, a lot of people don't keep their receipts, keep your receipts if you're putting a solar PV system in. Um, And any sort of regular maintenance that you're doing, make sure you keep a logbook. We recommend if there's any sort of manual that comes with the system that all of that's recorded in there because it's very important to have that information disclosed. And remember, there's two parts of a solar system. One is the inverter. 
-hmm. and the other is the panels. Mm -hmm. And so the panels will last sometimes 25 years. The inverter maybe around 10, mm-hmm. the 12. So um, if you're going to look at a property, you want to know how old the inverter is. And this is where um, a livability real estate specialist captures all of that information mm-hmm. and it's verified. Now, on this, so I'm doing a Renault and said to my, my architect, well, I definitely want solar panels up there. And he was like, oh, you know, there's there's issues with them. You know, I'm still a bit unclear as to what is them. And so on the plans, it's like provision for it yes. at a future date without actually committing to putting them in now. Now, I'm still, you know, intend to get them put in, but I'm interested and I wish I knew the detail of why he's objecting, but why would people object and say you better wait? Um, I honestly don't know um, because there's one in five homes now in Australia have solar PV. Um, one thing I would ask, um, I would recommend is you go to the Clean Energy Council and they have a fantastic consumer guide to solar PV and that answers all the questions. And you make sure that your installer is qualified. They need to have a Clean Energy Council sort of verification. And what I'd also do is the Clean Energy Council site has um, approved retailers and they've signed a code of conduct. There's 150 of them or so. Mm. You can go in and check that your retailer that you're um, getting your quote from is part of that group. Right. So that's very important. And there are a lot of local council initiatives around solar PV, Northern Beaches, Karingai, mm. all sorts of things that have uh, helplines and all sorts of things. So solar PV really is a bit of a no-brainer. But if you've got a certain amount of money, do you know what I mean, and you go, look... Most people these days are looking at, um, I don't know how many rooms in your house. If it's a four to five bedroom home, you'd be wanting to do at least a five to six kilowatt system. Most people are getting those bigger systems because they're planning for electric cars. Mm. Okay. So, and remember, currently there's no um, standard for battery storage in Australia yet. It's expected to come soon. So I definitely would invest in in solar PV, really. Just while we're there on battery storage, you know, you've got the Tesla Powerwalls and, you know, LG have got one. And, you know, they're quite expensive if you look at them as a one-off. But... You know, if you come back in five years' time, you know, the Tesla Powerwalls won't be six or $8,000. They'll be $1,000, you know, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and look, there's, um, again, the Clean Energy um, Council site has some great stuff as well as livability. What I would do is just wait until there's a, um, a, a standard, yeah. you know, in Australia because livability refers to industry standards. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, but definitely I would be looking at, there are so many amazing offices. Uh, and remember, the rebate scheme is still um, integrated into your retail price. Mm. And every year that's getting less and less. Yeah. So I'd probably invest in them sooner rather than later. Mm. Um, it's just about changing our mindset yep. that our houses can be energy generators, not just energy users. I'm actually amazed. Like, it's funny because my brother-in-law is Italian and they were out here for Christmas and they went out to visit some friends of my sister's that live out in Green Hills. So I don't know if it's called that now, yeah, yeah. out at Cronulla and used to be a sand dune. And mm-hmm. so there's this whopping great big development full of whopping great big houses and Giovanni's saying, I can't believe it. There's not a solar panel in sight. Yeah. And it's like I find it astounding. He was saying, how can this be? These are all still under construction, some of these houses. How well, can this be? Well, you know? And that's, I guess, um, and the volume housing industry will change. Mm. I mean, uh, and I know there's some big uh, government incentives being planned um, on a local level to look at how they can support 
that new conversation coming down the line. Um, I think, you know, the more people use solar, the more affordable it becomes, the more yep. it becomes like the new normal. To be honest, these are the new normal. Look, mm. I agree, but, I mean, it's interesting. It just comes into that take-up period. There's always a, a period of time where you got much lower take-up than it than and I really think, is you know, ideal. And, and, and I think it's interesting just that people are getting a brand-new house built where they've got this greenfield opportunity yeah, to get all this stuff in there and obviously no one's bothering. And also they're focusing on, uh, and this is where um, the real estate industry... I hate to say it because I love them, but they have a lot to answer for. Because they haven't identified these features, mm. they haven't driven a market in these features. Yeah. Okay, and so everyone's got Caesar Stone bench tops because why? Because they're recognised. Um, so what we want to do is go, you know what, we want these front and centre for Australian homeowners and that will drive the market. Yeah. And so that means that it will become more cost effective, our homes are going to become more comfortable. Another reason is sometimes these have been hidden in a sustainability conversation and so it's been seen as a political political decision right. and it's not right so if you if you're a far if you like Tony Abbott, for argument's sake, you can't possibly do any of these things to your house. Well, and this is where you've got it. We've got to get rid of that because it's actually uh, ridiculous. It's actually holding everyone mm. back yeah. from a better life. That's yeah. why we say this is really this isn't an optional extra. This isn't something you do depending on what your politics are. This is about creating your best home and every measure. Why would you want a home that's going to be expensive to run? It's yeah. not your best home. Or that's unnecessarily And the hot. fun part of this is you can measure it nowadays, right? Yeah. You can have, you know, trackers in your house to be measuring the temperature really easily. You and can... different people that matters to differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some people just want to know, I don't want to know about it, I just want to know it's delivering. Yeah, you and know? that's right. And then you get the results, right? You can see that you're getting results yeah. and, you know, people love that kind of gamification. So what are the, the final ones? Okay, just so the, we can finish the, it off? the last four is a low water garden. And I can't stress this enough. A lot of people think it's something like Breaking Bad and it's a whole bunch of cacti in the desert. Um, <laughs> low water gardens are local native, but there's a lot of Mediterranean gardens that are low water gardens. Mm -hmm. And most of, uh, so much of Australia, Sydney's water usage goes to garden. So we really recommend you start to transition to a low water garden because then no matter what's happening with the water restrictions, it's mm. always going to look great. What about, what's the best grass? Okay, well, there's also, actually, there's an, an amazing uh, native grass that you can almost have as a lawn. Mm. Um, so it's really worth looking. Your local council, we have the low water um, guides on livability, mm. but your local council, I mean, I'm from you know, I'm Pitwater Council, in Pitwater Council area, Northern Beaches, sorry, now, um, and you can get... Uh, five free plants yeah, right. uh, every year from the council because they're low water natives, right? Mm. So definitely don't underestimate how much water you're wasting on your garden. Yep. And remember, gardens um, do a lot. They, they help the radiant heat of the, of the property as well as providing just a better livable environment. So, so it's about getting a garden and doing having a nice garden and but planting natives and things that are yeah. low water. Look, you don't – and trickle irrigation if you're going to have any irrigation, but you yeah. don't want pop-up sprinklers. Yeah. Okay. You don't. If your garden needs that, I would be transitioning away from that because that's going to cost you a lot. And once there's a water restriction, it's going to look dead. It will be yeah. dead. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. There. Uh, the next thing is water-efficient devices, and these are really just your shower heads, dual flush toilets, the the dirt, right? Yeah. I mean, they really do make a difference. And for those people that had water-efficient shower heads and had such a bad experience Remember in the them? first generation. Yeah, running around to get wet. <laughs> and also they pierced you like little needles. You could never get your the soap suds out of your hair, mm. you know. The new generation are amazing. And mm. that's because they use micro-erasion where they actually put air into the droplet. And so 
it actually feels like a lot more water and it's great. So if you've had a bad experience for the first generation, mm-hmm. I'm going to challenge you yep. to go and have a look at the new ones because they really do deliver so much uh, better usage of your How water. How you test drive that? Um, you can see they've got a Wells rating. <laughs> yeah, you just put your head under it. Yeah, no, you can see it, it, it's yeah. the, ones with the, the ones with the little plastic nodules yeah. are, the, are the aeration, yeah. Yeah. right? And you want to ask about those. And so the last, and well, there's rainwater tanks and um, a big tip for everyone, if you're thinking of putting a rainwater tank in, the bigger the better. Mm. So some of the problem is there are tiny little rainwater tanks um, that will really need, um, you know, the problem with rainwater tanks is that when you really need it is when there is no rain. So you've got a little bit of a disconnect there. That's why a low water garden is much better. Yeah. But if you're going to have a rainwater tank, you want to make sure it's the right size for your house. And a big tip for everyone is if you go to the tankulator, Mm. Just do a search for Tankulator. The ATA has created a great little site and you put in your um, postcode. It mm. will calculate the rainfall. You say how many people in your house, what you want to use it for, and it will tell you how big the rainwater tank needs to be. Now, what yep. if somebody wants to connect their rainwater up to, you know, the toilets? Well, if you put that in, it will tell you exactly. But there's quite a fair amount of reworking of your plumbing if you can do that, aren't you? Um, there is very simple guidelines in your council area mm. to be able to do that. And again, this is just one of those things that you need a bigger system. Every week we hear incredible stories of the dumb things property buyers do. Dumb things that end up costing a whole lot of money and or creating a whole lot of stress. Mistakes that can be avoided. Please, Cecile, can you give us an example of a property dumbo? We can all learn what not to do from these stories. I'll tell you just a um, trick for... um you know, just a, a bit of a warning system. Sometimes you don't know when you're buying a house, whether it's connected to the garden or the mm. house. I'll tell you a bit of a horror story. Um, a person in Canberra bought a house with a rainwater tank and used the rainwater tank all summer for the slip and slide, oh. but it was attached to the mains and she got a bill for $2,000. No. <laughs> so remember <laughs> that a lot of rainwater tanks have a mains top up. So just remember, if it hasn't been raining, it's unlikely that the tank will be full. (laughs) So we say about... 10,000 litres is useful, Five mm-hmm. to 10,000 litres is, is, you know, you can use that. So, again, bigger So you don't better. bother with that. Like my mother did. My mother bought a little rainwater tank and it probably yeah. only does about 50 litres. I said that's uh, a bit pointless. <laughs> it's good for the roses, but you know what I mean. Um, um, and so the last one is an energy rating. And in 2006, the federal government bought out a compliance for new homes where they all had to have, as part of the construction code, an energy rating. Mm-hmm. And this is really great news for Australian um, homeowners. So this is new homes. And so we recommend that um, if you're building a new home, you're going to be asked about your basic certificate, or if you're working with your uh, building designer or architect, we want you to say, go beyond compliance. Okay, because around the seven to eight star level um, is showing a big uplift in value no matter what. But we want you to keep that certificate, understand what that certificate relates to, because that's talking about the whole building design and how much, theoretically, heating and cooling that house is going to need. So, you know, you talk about the reasons for doing this. Yeah. Improving the comfort of living in the home. And health. and 100%. Yeah. All over. That's really should be a no-brainer. And then secondly, obviously, improving your running costs or reducing yep. your running costs. And thirdly, there's the impre- increasing the value of your yep. home, which I, I do think I can see that happening long term. Um, 
But that's very much an education piece as well because, you know, if people haven't done it to their own home, you know, they're not necessarily going to value it for the next one until they actually live in it and go, oh, now I I get it. I think you'll find, I understand why you're feeling that way. I think you'll find that people have been investing in these things over time, that when there comes to time of upgrading the hot water system, they're going for a more efficient one or the washing machine they're going, Mm. you know what I mean? This is a natural part of our thinking these days. Yeah, no, I get that. But what I'm saying... But the real estate industry needs to catch up. Exactly. Because the thing is, if I'm out there looking at buying a home and, and, you know, we do this day and day out with our clients. And so um, so I'm not arguing the toss with you in terms of... No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you, sister. (laughs) Yeah, but but the, the simple fact is that buyers... You know, there's a lot of other other big elephants that they're dealing with, you know what I mean, that, mm. that, are, that end up becoming more of a priority when they're buying a property than this. And I'm sure that there'll be a tipping point where this becomes part of the conversation by everybody. So it's sort of a bit chicken and the egg, isn't it, really? It's like, well, you know, the I co- think... I think, yes, there's a there's a critical mass, a mm. critical point. One thing I will say is if you're out there as a buyer and you go to an online property listing and it has all the livability features that are there and mm. you know that it helps with running cost and comfort and you know that agents is trained and can ask any question you want, I guarantee that house will stand out for you. Okay, so again, it's about agents really wanting to deliver this better service. Mm. So if you've got a favourite agent, if you've got an agent that you really love, um, even if you've got an agent that you haven't, just say, hey, do the training because I'm investing in these things and when it comes time to sell, I want you to sell my property. Yeah, I mean, a client bought a price place last year and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it. they moved in or moved in in May and um, it was freezing, right? Yeah. And they, uh, so they have had an awful experience, um, you know, trying to heat this place. Now it's summer. Um, I caught up with them last week and, you know, unfortunately it's been ridiculously hot, this house. <laughs> uh, so they've got hit twice. They've got hit really hard in the winter. They've had a horrible experience. When they, if they go buy another house, they're not going to. But if they did, you know, next time they're going to be a little more focused on how's the heating in this house, what's happening. So... I think a lot of people are switching on to that as well. And I mean, energy prices have come up a lot and it is a national conversation now. So I think that's going to also play into it as well, where if that could be the little thing that gets that buyer to go for your property over your neighbor's property, like that be, might be the reason it sells. That's and look, be- it's, a, it's, it's a win-win because you get the benefit while you're in the house. Yep. You know, sometimes we just capitalize on a property to sell it and we go, oh my God, I wish it was like that. Why didn't I do this before when I lived in the oh, house? That's right? often the case. So, yeah. so how great to be able to do something that then you're going to see the benefit both sides of the equation. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And and I think too that um, you know, it becomes the renovator's guide. So wouldn't it be great if this, this is really the renovation for your financial stress? Yeah. Okay. Because that those people, those friends of yours, they're spending more. They've got less disposable money to pay on their mortgage. Oh yeah. I mean, it's right? and it's yeah, and that's exactly. going to cause stress. And it's so causing time. There's a cost discomfort. on their time and effort. And yeah, exactly. So and having saying, a baby and now the baby's going to be here next year. So it's like we've got to get this fixed because you know your hormones. Oh yeah. You know all that sort of stuff. So it's like it's compounding the problem, right? And and so if this house did have all these things, they've got know, a head it start. Would be, it's you know much easier for them to think about. And at that remember, stage of life. we're just saying add them to your renovation list. Just. Don't do it without it. And and mm. we're going to do what we can to get the real estate industry on board to, mm. to support the other end of the transaction. But you as a consumer can say to your agent, I need you to do this training or do the property manager because the agent's going to get the professional uplift from that. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Now, do you have a property dumbo for us? Well, I guess the property dumbo is the rainwater tank. Mm. Yeah. You know, just check where whether the rainwater tank is attached to the mains. And when you get that property, before you start using all the water in there, just make sure that it's not actually <laughs> just going to increase your water bill crazily. Well, I guess you could say the same thing for solar panels too, couldn't you? Put them the wrong they way. might be out there, but if they're not actually connected into your uh, or connected properly and you're, dra- you're still draining on the public... Uh, yeah. Or, or hopefully they're at least face towards the sun, so that would be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the north-south side of the house. <laughs> Alrighty. Look, Cecile, that was very, very informative. Thank you so much for coming along and sharing all of that with us. We will have all the relevant links on um, the website, yep. theelephantintheroom.com.au and the show notes as well. Um, and obviously anybody wants any further information, there's plenty there, all about Cecile and the background and, and where this came from and, and you know, wh- how you can implement them how you can pressure your agent to, to go into yeah. the training. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, and it's bloody, it's practical. It's actually really practical stuff. It's just that. I mean, really what livability, that's what I find it interesting is what's really sells a property or one property worth more than another property is the livability has, has greater lifestyle benefits, but that could be the suburb and the location of the property as well. It yeah. doesn't actually mean a lot of the time people think of the actual inside that property. And if you can then add that second layer to it, not only is it a great place to live, but internally to actually comfort every day in that property is much better as and well. And understanding that it's empowering, okay? It makes you feel good that you're not a victim of something, that you can do something in your own home, that you know what to buy, that you can trust information. It doesn't often happen these days around in the property market, right, that you can say, you know what, this is something I can do to yeah. take back control. In the same way that you're buying your solar panels, you can go, I want these other features too. So maybe don't complain about your electricity bills until you've until done, you've done it. Absolutely. Yeah. Or it's Absolutely. too hot until you've done these things. Yeah, so that's the way I feel. Take control. Okay. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We want to make you a better elephant rider. And this week's elephant rider training is... Well, now that we've been talking about the 17 livability features, and they these are really important things, by the way, and, and very hard to determine, like, you know, some of the things that um, Cecile was talking about, for instance, insulation and the density of building materials and whether the awnings are the right depth and also windows and things like that, that really do make a massive impact to the comfort of living in a home. So I just want to talk about when you're inspecting properties and what to look out for. So when you're buying in summer, right, it's really obvious what houses are super hot. Okay, you've got to be mindful too if the air conditioners are pumping out <laughs> that it might be really an inefficient house as well. Like if you are looking at a house that's been really well designed and great cross-ventilation and thermal mass, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and they don't have the air conditioning on and you see it in summer, you think, wow, this is a, a really good house. If you go out looking in winter, same deal, all the heaters are on, the, you know, the home's toasty and warm and all the rest of it, and that might be a good sign, it might be a bad sign. When you are looking in the temperate times of the year, so in spring and autumn, that's actually when you're most at danger of making assumptions around property. I can tell you that a lot of owners who know that their house is really, really hot in summer, and upstairs room are a classic on this, particularly if they have been poorly insulated, they will avoid listing their property in the middle of summer in the heat 
because they know that's going to turn off buyers. And conversely, if they know they've got a really cold, south-facing, dark, dank house, they are not going to list that in winter. But in spring or in autumn, it's certainly not going to come across as bad. So just be very, very mindful of the time of year that you are looking at property and think, you know, well, I'm not going to be seeing or experiencing this house in the in the real cold or the real heat. So really pay attention to, you know, what sort of heating is there and whether or not there is evidence of insulation, all those sorts of things. So going through that list of 17 livability features is actually really quite useful when you're looking at property. The other thing too is that if you've never lived in a house with a, a poor aspect, so if you've never lived in a dark house, for instance, you won't necessarily be as acutely aware of how really awful that experience can be. And so if you have, you will. I spoke to a woman the other day who was living in a house with windows in the north and eastern um, part of the house. And, it, and she told me when she bought that, that it was an absolute deal breaker for her not to have a northeastern aspect. And I quizzed her as to why. And she said, because my previous house was a terrace and it ran east to west. And so there was no northern windows in this house whatsoever. They got got front room got morning sun and the back room got afternoon sun and that was basically it. The middle of the house barely got any sun whatsoever. She said it was horrible. It was like living in a mushroom cave in a tunnel. Um, and so for her, that was absolute top of her list when she's looking to buy a property and she will never, never, never give on that because she has experienced the exact opposite to that. And unless you have experienced the exact opposite, you may not pay enough attention to those sorts of things. And so that's just something to be very, very mindful of that what you don't know, what you've never experienced, you won't necessarily be on the lookout for. So I just think that actually that these 17 livability features are actually quite good for anybody looking to buy a property to just familiarise yourself with so that you can make better choices. Join in for our next episode and we have not one but two guests. These guests both representing the engineering profession in Australia. We have John Roydhouse, CEO of the Institute of Public Works Engineering New South Wales chapter, and Jonathan Russell, who works with Engineers Australia, the peak body for the engineering profession with over 100,000 members. Now, we have a very interesting conversation because we don't often think about the role of engineering construction in our built world or our built environment. We are talking about things like Opal Tower and Grenfell Tower and La Crosse Tower and the disasters that can happen when engineering isn't managed properly. We also talk about infrastructure and how that needs to join in with the buildings that we're building to live in and also the lack of registration across Australia. So we do have some big, big holes in our whole development process that can ultimately be very, very costly for us individual consumers. Don't forget we're on all the social channels. We're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter. Or you can connect with us on theelephantinthroom.com.au. The links are all there for you. Please connect and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. The Elephant in the Room property podcast is recorded at the Sydney Sound Brewery. This week's podcast was recorded by John Resk, editorial by Gordy Fletcher. Until next week, don't be a dumbo. Now remember, everything we talked about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent who will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances with a statement of advice.